Happy Sunday, Lady Violante. Happy Sunday to you, my fashionable and fashion lawyer. How are you and how is your coffee? Is it hot? <laughs> it's just as hot as I am. I read something on Instagram this morning. I am not uh, permanently hot, but I decide when to switch on and off my hotness. I kind of relate to that. Sometimes I look like a bag of potatoes and other times... I am as hot as my coffee. Oh, wow. We really dove in, right in. Yes. Now you are currently talking to a bag of potatoes, just so you know. <laughs> I love potatoes. Yes. It's my favorite food. Well, it's especially it, fried. No, not mine. But still, I look like a sack of potatoes and I'm proud of it. I'm makeupless and sitting in a nightgown and just, you know, feeling like general crap. But that's, that's just... What? Well, what? yeah, uh, I mean, I know. Listen, sorry, stop. Hold your nightgowns. Your nightgowns. They don't look like anyone else's nightgowns. Normally they have either either lace or some kind of silk or they come with some kind of quality. So already that is is uh, not as outrageous as you want to make it sound. The other thing is that you say you're without makeup, but I'm sure the rest of the world is also almost without makeup for the past I don't know how many ones to the extent that I almost forgot how to put it on myself because I rarely wear it anymore but the feeling of shit um yeah do you want to yeah I want to elaborate on that <laughs> do you do you want to or not oh yes um well I, I I somehow read something on um New York Times and I instantly felt better about being and looking most of the days uh, I read that none other than Tom Ford actually spent uh, an unquantifiable unquant uh, time of the last year in the same, uh, you know, hold jeans and the same denim shirt. And he said, I'm just feeling uninspired. And I was like, oh, what did he just say? If the God of fashion himself said, um, I'm just spending my time in the same clothes for the most of the day, then I feel a little less like shit. But yeah, generally, I'm starting to feel like a year has passed. And I, this morning, I saw some, you know, um, screenshots from the last uh, fashion week we had here before everything went to hell. And I was like, oh, wow, we weren't wearing masks. You know, it was all mm -hmm. people just having fun and being in this beautiful imaginary world now. And now we, uh, the reality has changed. And now we are facing another year of virtual reality. And that's not really. Well, I think Tom hmm. Ford is the only one who speaks about it. But I think yeah. most of us, most of us, uh, I mean, are the same. So I went to my seamstress to patch up some holes in my cashmere pants. And she was saying, mm, yeah. So we sort of switched, uh, switched direction on our business. So, I mean, from, from tailoring, um, Chanel dresses fresh from the shop. She's now <clears throat> patching up holes in people's <laughs> old cashmere pants. And that's, she's not even discreet about that's it. So you're not sad. No, it's hilarious. And it's a it's a sign of our times. Yeah. Um uh, look here, it's amazing. We just have um two weeks of spring announced. It's kind of unheard for for or unheard of for Luxembourg. So we have 16, 17 degrees for the next two weeks to come and that changes and it's only when you get out of your dungeon of darkness when you realize how, dungeon how much darkness <laughs> it, it really is I, I don't feel it when I'm in it but only when the suns of or the rays of sun come out I feel that I'm relieved and that it has such an impact on your energy levels and on your spirit generally but I've had this 
I was actually wondering, I just came off a, a long call uh, with my mom, a video call. So I try to call her on Sunday mornings and we have uh, coffee together. And in Arabic, it's called subhiyya. So typically the old housewives would go over to one another after the school run. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coffee yeah. On the balcony. My grandma used and, to do that all the time. Yeah, exactly. So there's a there's even a, a sort of a concept of it. So I try to have a coffee and a long chat to her. And I was telling her that I walked into some kind of cooking fatigue. So I go to the shop and, and buy food or I have it delivered to the house. But then I can't be bothered. During daytime, it's kind of complicated because I can't really take a proper lunch break. So I eat whatever, you know, open a pack of salmon or just chop up a salad or eat a sandwich or something super simple. But then comes nighttime and then I'm just too lazy to cook. Huh. So so the outcomes are two. One is that I have to throw a lot of the food that goes bad in the fridge that I buy with the intention of cooking. And the other is that I just, you know, eat a chunk of peanuts at night and nothing else. <laughs> and to her, peanuts. for her, the, the yeah, yeah, it's true. And for her, the disaster is not this. The disaster is that I don't cook for my husband. Although oh, my yeah, mom is yeah. fairly modern, but... I mean, she's saying, come on, and you guys need to eat, and you you know, he's busy, you need to feed him. I'm like, sorry, I'm, act, I'm as busy, and he, he knows how to cook as well as I do. <laughs> no, and I bring, I bring the groceries through the door and put them in the fridge. So if he wants to cook, he can. And she said, well, what does he do? I said, he does just like me. He ends up having a pack of peanuts at, you know, 1030 at <laughs> oh night. God. And it's absolutely ridiculous. But so now I've, I've sort of decided I need to change that because it makes no sense and it's okay to have some cooking fatigue and to order out and also like that you support local order in sorry you support some local and all yeah, that but that's, at some point you too. have to look at yourself and say okay I, I better stop what do I need to do do I need to meal prep on Sunday so I have a couple of have you ever have you ever mealed prepped I mean who does that I'm I'm really like admiring people who my do mom that. Your you know, mom does. Mom is, yeah, but I mean, look, she she still works. My mother works, but she has lots of free time. So I think she spends it. She enjoys cooking, and she spends a lot of her time cooking and putting up in the freezer. So I don't think. Do you she's think that's a generational thing? No, no, not necessarily. Because look, I mean, some of my mom's friends, for example, they don't eat they don't eat leftovers because their families are used to having a different dish on the table every second day. In my house, I never minded leftovers. Plus I actually quite enjoy some dishes the day after. And I'm the type that would have it in the morning. So let's say we have a oh, big God. stew. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that type. I love, I love like cooked food for breakfast and you know, even cold, I would go, I would grab a slice of pizza cold the morning after or oh my god I'm 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 yeah, horrified yeah, I'm horrified <laughs> yeah the but Italian like that, here is horrified oh my god cold pizza but also pasta isn't the kind of a dish that that holds well to the day after so it needs to be sort of you know and two two pieces of falafel left over from yesterday and you just have them on the go so it needs to be kind of specific food that sort of isn't entirely ruined when it's when it's cold but so in my household growing up we we always had leftovers the second day which means that or, or you know if we had it for lunch and there was leftover for dinner we would put out whatever was left for dinner so that means that quantity cooking was fine but here at home my my husband isn't so keen on eating the same thing two days in a row and I know he's not alone so it's not snobism or anything else so he likes to, to change it up and he knows I hate to throw things. So that means that <laughs> I store things in the fridge and then I have to throw them away when they walk out of the fridge seven days after. So anyway, I had a long, long, long chat with my mom and, and I don't do meal prep in the, in the traditional sense, but on a Sunday, I would, you know, throw 
roast in the oven so I know I have it for Monday but I wouldn't you know think ahead until Tuesday or Wednesday but when I grocery shop I, I do it with some kind of a meal prep in mind um, especially now because you don't oh yes it's called it's called good intentions you you go there <laughs> and you buy with good intentions and then it all somehow goes to shit <laughs> because you cannot be bringing yourself to actually cook those things and but you this just is say, not you this is no, not no, you, no, right? but it is it is me this. oh it actually i really had some huge verbal fights with my husband over uh, food wow. that we had to throw away because I come into these beautiful uh, supermarkets with uh, a lot of food and I like them really big so I can have you know all the choice in the world so I yes. go there and I buy all this stuff and then we come home with like 10 bags of groceries and we put them away and then the very same evening I kid you not I will be like, oh, I'm so tired. I cannot cook. Can we just order something? And then he says, I'm sorry, but did you see the fridge? And I said, well, let's support the local business. Like I pull all the stops, not even to be bothered cooking. It's not being lazy. It's just I feel burnout. I feel like I really cannot bring myself to do the whole thing, you know, prep the meal, cook it, and then clean afterwards. Because, of course, with two men in the house, I'm the one who does the cleaning and with um, the housekeeper being away for a month in uh, on sick leave now the house looks like an exploded bomb so I, I, am I, I I'm burned so, out I am so amazed that you say that it was the least thing I expected because it's exactly <laughs> how I feel so I let me start I, I already I found this huge supermarket here in Luxembourg which is a bit of a drive away from where I That's am devil's but in, actually, you should not be going there and and there's two and they're on the opposite side of the city so i alternate depending on you know what it one is better for fish the other is better for meat and and then again i like my local butcher but it all depends they have different stuff and i don't go there super often uh because i get delivery for the regular stuff right at mm. home and then i only go as often as i need but i i love these really big supermarkets for two reasons so one, there is everything you want. And two, there is space. So you don't feel like you're crowded. And then I write like the really, really small specialized, you know, épicerie. So whether it's an Italian one or a French one, where everything costs 75% more than oh, elsewhere, yes. but everything is ultra exclusive. <laughs> it's a money you... trap. Yeah, I know, I know. I love exactly. those places. You but... Yeah, exactly. And, and you, you're already over... prepared, you know, just to give a kidney for anything you're going to get there. And yeah. Exactly. And you swoon over packaging and you end up like you wanted to buy nothing and you end up buying tomatoes that are overpriced, but really biological and grown just in your own garage and, exactly. and uh, like, you know, Himalayan salt, which comes. Which it doesn't on. exist. Oh, my God. I, I love exactly. it. It doesn't really exist. But yeah, go on, go on. And and just like you, I think it's that, you know, you brought the food through the door and now you're fatigued. And yes. you're just like, oh, I can't be bothered. I have to say, so, I mean, with the cleaning and everything, so... Now I try to keep up because my husband did a huge sort of kitchen cleaning. I think he got fed up with the mess just lingering around. <laughs> and once it's properly clean, it's easier to... Can he come teach and poach my own husband? Because oh, mine yes. can live in the disorder like forever until I get bored and, and, and I just go into this vortex of cleaning. Like, can he come over, please? Yeah, I think I'll keep him here. I think he's <laughs> enough with our own mess. But I, I'm surprised because I always think that you, yeah, that you do. That's the one thing that doesn't fatigue you. Well, I'm happy to know that. 
that uh, oh God, we are it, not, it not different. really does fatigue me. And I've had, I'm ashamed if I see my order history through Deliveroo or Just Eat or <laughs> any other app. I'm like, how much money did they just throw away on this? I mean, it is helping the local business. And most of the time, they're all on offer like 50% off or, or whatever. But still, I buy all this food and I have all these good intentions. And then uh, the guilt kicks in because I feel like I've, I'm failing as a, a housewife, but you know, the modern kind of housewife who works and has a lot of her plate, but then I'm failing as a woman who needs to be cooking for her family. And I'm failing as someone who has been organizing the, the pantry and the fridge. And I just feel like a failure all around. It's, it's okay, but that's, I would probably stop you there. Even my mom, <laughs> who thinks that I'm, you know, who doesn't, who difficultly understands <laughs> uh, my mentality, mm. even her doesn't think it feels like it merits uh, the bad conscience. I would stop that. I would say the only, I mean, I, wh where I can see that it really has an impact is, you know, we talk about good intentions. And of course, cooking at home is also controlling what you eat in terms of, you know, getting the nutrients you want. Yeah. And sorry, I look at your food. I don't see any restaurant that can serve the type of quality food and it looks so appetizing and so amazing oh, thank I don't you. know any now I feel better we... yeah but it's true and and I think where we where we somehow sort of fail ourselves is that when you have all this fresh and nice stuff in the fridge and then you order out instead yeah um, then first of all you're not going to get the same kind of quality of your meal and second of all you're no longer uh, you know contributing to your holistic health approach um, which what isn't I, really helping. Uh, what, I, what I really feel like is like I'm mm, failing on the good intentions. And I mean, I'm taking yeah. the easy way out. And mm. the easy way out has never been my way. So that's the thing. I, I think I, I give it a whole different connotation and I, I give it a whole different meaning. And I think that what, what is actually uh, behind that guilt is the feeling of being burnt out because a lot of mm, things have exactly. happened in the last six months. So I'm, I'm feeling now the weight of the, of the whole thing. Also, you know, there is this talk in Italy now about what's going to happen once this whole circus and bad nightmare ends. So there will be life after pandemics, but what kind of life will be there? And are we even ready to get back to our lives uh, as much as we want them. So it's the whole pressure that actually gives me this kind of, you know, outlet on feeling guilt. But uh, I'm mm. analyzing myself and I think a lot of people feel that way these mm. days because this morning I put up, you know, a thought because I, I, I ran into this photo of me with uh, Piet Paolo Piccioli from Valentino. And I said, oh my God, just a year ago, I, I met this man and I thought I can die happy now because he's, you know, my idol in fashion, but now everything is so different. And I ask the people, um, do you feel like this year has been lasting for the last 20 years, basically? And, you know, there is uh, the option. Yeah, I feel that way, too. And the other one, no, I'm good. And there is only one person that said, no, I'm good. And a girl writes to me and she says, I would like to slap the living, living daylights out of the person who said it, every, everything is fine. So you, you can see that people feel this kind of, you know, feeling of uh, being lost in space and time and the burnout is pretty much real. So uh, I guess I'm oh, not the only course. one. Of course, I think everyone, I mean, it's interesting you, you call it burnout because that's probably one step further than 
saying corona fatigue yeah um and and i i can just see of course it's exactly what you say so you're carrying the weight on your shoulders for keeping your happy your family happy and fed and you you try with the best of the intentions and and in theory everything is served for you to go through with your plans and then last moment you're just too tired and cannot be bothered to go through with it and I think for me, it wasn't like a change of attitude that had me call my mom and go over some recipes. But at some point, I actually started craving different kinds of food. So I'm I'm on this spree where I'm craving very, very special Lebanese or Egyptian breakfasts, for example, mm. that I've never cooked before. Yeah. And, and I used to have, there's a brown bean breakfast, which is typical uh, Egyptian that I, <laughs> I don't know, but it's super, super stinky um, traditionally yeah. no not at all not <laughs> at all it's traditionally egyptian and one of my father's favorite meals but when i traveled to london and stay at the hyatt they actually have it on the menu uh, so i used to get my my uh, fix from there and now i actually asked for the recipe so i can make it myself and so what what basically brings me around and now all this is yet theoretical because i haven't quite cooked yet actually friday we cooked <laughs> good intentions we good cooked. intentions <laughs> yeah oh, we did i did small things i yesterday, saw so your I, grilling I, really... I saw your grilling yeah that's, that's and very grilling is easy it's easy but what i did what 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 took a threshold to get over was to make the hummus which sounds crazy but i mean it took it takes it takes an effort to spend the next half an hour in the kitchen to make it from yeah but you know, I, I would have really loved to see that instagram like i would really love to see you make it like have you ever considered doing an actual no. video of yourself making the hummus no why but- uh, because already the half an hour it takes me to make it is a is a committed investment. I mean, there's already threshold of me debating with myself. Should I just not give a damn about the homeless or should I make it just to show to myself that I'm going to go through with my commitment mm. and then adding a layer of storing it, it doesn't give me, it just gives me additional pressure. So mm. I don't feel like I need to neither share a recipe nor motivate people. Plus, you should know also homeless is a very, very, very contentious topic and i know uh, get, i know i've, yeah, I've so, seen the hummus gate already and yeah, it, it don't want, uh, no, yeah i don't want to stir any any issues nah, but do you nah, feel so like I tell you, eat your chickpeas how you like people and don't <laughs> tell me about it and i don't want to get involved i see this you know uh all the time like people feel the need sort of to be nesting still at the house like house is the safe haven so you actually want to keep your house decluttered hence the whole movement or and surge or in demand for people who will tell you how to unclutter your own house and how to feel safe in your space again uh, personally i'm the clutter master queen of the universe i actually collect basically anything and i i me and my husband cannot throw away anything seriously like we will be the people who lived in their cluttered house and we will end up on some i, I feel we are going to end up with some program like, you know, the, the people who, who collect everything and they, they are hoarders. basically, yeah, hoarders. Mm. We are hoarders of everything. Shoes, books, clothes, um, boxes. I mean, the other day I was arguing with my husband because he wouldn't throw away some boxes, which are undeniably beautiful boxes. But I said, where are we going to put this shit? And, you know, I cannot unhoard my house anymore uh, until at least the, the housekeeper comes back. But uh, it's a kind of nesting. And it's a kind of uh, safe space you want to be in. And that's when the good intentions come in. You just want to be cooking so you feel good again. 
you don't feel like you're living in a very dangerous world at the moment, which we are. So it's it's a nesting issue, I think, and it's not going to, going going to go away anytime soon. I think uh, the issue with working around the house and clutter goes hand in hand. So I mean, you can have a staged home which is clutter free and perfect, but the moment you throw yourself or you immerse yourself in work, for example, yeah, let's say you need to print something, then suddenly you have a bunch of papers on your desk, and you bring the cup of coffee, and then it's there, and then you interrupt to go and do something. Uh, let's say you want to make a sandwich and then you don't have time to clean up after the sandwich because you have to take another call. And, you know, when you're living in this space and when you spend 24 hours a day in that space, then the um, the cluttering just accumulates because you're using it. I mean, you're you're practically, you know, sitting in all these spaces that you have decluttered or organized. But I mean, we have our own take on nesting. So I'm sure you haven't missed that we um, that we. Uh, tailor made and had uh, installed and delivered a bar. I'm still envious about that one as shit. That's, <laughs> that is our way of nesting. So while other people try to separate their work, we're and nesting their home with alcohol. And their bar. <laughs> yeah, and we try to bring them all together. So, but that feels really good. That is really nesting. So now I think my living room is is fully finished. Except if I could dream, I'd like to um, add one window. Uh, because it's it's odd when they made this apartment, they decided not to make a window where it should actually have gone to bring in some extra lights. But that is such a huge mess and it would really shut off the access to the, to the living room. So I'm not going to be doing that right now. But other than that, I would say now my living room is fully complete, which is such a joyful sentiment and gives me so much relaxation and pleasure and desire to hang out there. Um, and, um, I, I can really see, I mean, I'm, I'm not a person who really likes to throw things generally, but I think I mentioned this to you before the pandemics has kind of changed me in that matter. So I'm much more ruthless about getting rid of stuff. And I don't know if that comes from, uh, from, a you know, life is short kind of a perspective. Life is short. You don't need it. Get rid of it. Move on with it. I don't know. I'm not sure but it has actually changed me or it can well be that now I am, I have never been in my own house uh, for this amount of hours in a row. So neither months nor hours. And it could be that once you're in it, you're saying, okay, I mean, this is intolerable. Yeah. I can't be, I can't function in here. So I need to make it practical, not just the spot where I run in, change clothes, run out uh, either to the office or out to uh, to friends or dinner so or whatever hold that hold on to that thought are you the kind of person that can actually dive in into a decluttering project in your own house and then go through with it because the problem i have is that i start and then it becomes so such a long process that i eventually eventually i just give up and i say oh my god i can't do this anymore I just get discouraged. Do you get discouraged or you just ruthlessly go in and you just throw away? I try to limit to to sort of physical areas. So I say, now I'm going to declutter the office or now I'm going to declutter the bedroom or the kitchen or the, I can't do like now I'm going to get rid of all the cables in the house that I don't want because that's too many rooms and then I will start it without finishing it. Yeah. So I have to say, you know, I have to limit it to, to, okay, I'm going to declutter the uh, cables in the office. That's how I have to do it. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So that's how I've sort of 
figured out how to get through with it. So, for example, the room where I'm in now, which is my own, it's not a dressing room, actually. It's, it's a room with a closet. So it's not a real dressing room. I mean, this one is a disaster because if I start <laughs> here, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to ever finish. And therefore, I just don't start because I don't want to start it and leave it unfinished. Would you and ever consider goes, help? Uh, not for no not really not for these places no I, I managed I mean if I can say so myself I managed quite successfully with the other areas so I mean nothing is really lacking apart from allocating the time um, so no I wouldn't do that I don't want anyone to tell me what to do I have quite a clear idea of you know where I want things and and what I don't need and what I need to do with it. So, so you're not you're, you're not in... opening to uh, hiring Marie Kondo to come and clean your house. No, no, I'm not actually. Um, I'm not. I've like I said, just if you had said yes, pandemic, we could I... we couldn't have been friends. Oh my god! Like how can you ever allow someone to dictate your space like that? But then again, you get frustrated, like me. Uh, I think you know there are things that aren't. Yeah, there are services that aren't Mary Kondo. So, for example, there are services that help you organize your closet, except I really don't want a stranger's view yeah. on my things because I am not at the level where it's bothering me that much. I'm at the level where I'm saying, I mean, I think also for you, it's you just said it. I don't want to declutter. So why would I bring somebody to do something that I actually haven't figured out that I want yet I'm not even at the space where I'm saying help me God because I am unable to do this no but it makes no sense it doesn't follow the logic you're no, happy but in the I no I'm not happy actually I'm not happy because I have this huge issue about too many things filling the house and I'm feeling the lack of space here and that's uh, at first that was something that I, I could joke about Now I actually feel like I'm suffocating in it. So yeah. I know that the moment is coming where I will, you know, just like a pressure cooker, I would just explode and I would say, oh my God, yeah, I, I need to get rid of this shit. Then uh, a week later, I will just be thinking, why did I throw away that thing? Um, because mm -hmm. I, I think that sometimes, at least in my case, when you're decluttering, you um, start having these second thoughts because you don't want to be letting go of things that are somehow connected to your past in my case that's always the case I'm not really good at letting past go uh, it's not that I like to live in the past I, I really don't but um, it's hard to me to let go so when I let go it's like letting go a piece of me it, it, I know it sounds surreal but it, it's like that you know it's tangible Uh, holding on to the tangible so I can hold on to the intangible so it's much more psychological in my case and but I really have too much clothes that's that's true I, I can I uh, I understand the reasoning and I can relate to it but I, I want to separate it a bit from the practical thing so let me just ask you how many things that you sold on Depop or eBay or anything did you afterwards regret? Uh, for me, it just literally None. just happened. None. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's almost like almost in one case. And even that is theoretical. It's like, oh, I should have kept it. But if I would have kept it, I wouldn't have used it. And, you know, it's only because, let me just give you the example. So I saw these 
Yves Saint Laurent arty rings. Ah, just I remember quite, quite recently. Yeah, I saw them quite recently on somebody and said, ah, you know, I let them go fairly cheaply and maybe I shouldn't have. But as a matter of fact, I wouldn't have been wearing them if I would have had them. So just like to say, in, in I, I'm also fairly aware emotionally of why I collect what I collect and why I difficultly abandon things. Um, but when it comes to the practical reality, in hindsight, there's very t- few times that I actually regret having either gifted something or, or uh, you know, sold something. Um, and I, I kind of believe when I started out my own sort of shopping, I'm not going to call it fashion journey, but my shopping journey, then the um, with a limited budget we had as students and, um, you know, when you start to realize what things cost and you're reading these magazines and newspapers and you, you can see these catwalk trends reproduce. So if the color of the season is soft yellow, then at H&M, there'll be yellow everywhere. And, you know, you, you'd want to take inspiration from the big brands, but you're not yeah. really aware of what they are. And then the big challenge was to come over nice pieces in fashion, covetable pieces, but at an affordable budget. So whether that was secondhand or in high street or whether that was, uh, you know, at, at liquidation sales or what, whatever you want. And sometimes I feel like if I declutter some of these things that I wore in the beginning of my fashion journey before both my wallet and my flavor evolved, then I'm giving somebody else the chance to build their own closet, just like I did with a, a, a nicer budget than, than what they would cost firsthand. And that's how I slept down my own thought of regret if they would come but but in practice it's just like you say emotionally I'm very connected to my things but but uh, practically once I get rid of them I don't really look back which gives you some kind of precedent to say once you've actually taken the plunge then it is the right thing to do yeah, but I think that there are some pieces that I actually am not even considering wearing, uh, be that may, because I, I cannot fit into them, as I've already publicly stated, or because I can, I, I really don't feel the need to wear them now, I'm connected to the memories that come with those pieces, so I really can't see myself ever parting with them unless I really had to, so yeah, it's, it's very much can't hard. be the ones... They can't be the ones that are creating the, you know, the clutter. Oh, they're not. They're not. <laughs> so they aren't. Right. I mean, so for me, I will give you an example. I, I'm a sucker for fancy bags and, and for boxes. And, you know, you've got to ask me why. There is no bloody explanation. My mom tells me when I was a little kid, whenever they would gift me something for Christmas, I would throw away the gift and play with a box. And that hasn't changed. <laughs> and at some point in time, I look at all my bags and my boxes and I say, enough. So... I rent a, a bloody car and fill it so that I can go and throw them out. And once you do that, you, you're good. You're like, okay, this, this can allow me to keep that, you know, that cashmere sweater of my late uncle's who passed away 20 years ago. I'm never going to wear that sweater. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to gift it. I'm not going to do anything. But at least now I, I made it enough has a, space. Yeah, yeah you made the space. So this one, yeah, the guilt so goes this one can live. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, yeah. not the guilt, but this one can live because now it's not taking Something else died square for meters. It. Yeah, it's not taking up square meters of space. It's not cumbersome. It's not stopping me from moving. I, I don't feel the weight of it. It's fine. But you I'll, have to I'll give be you a an example. How mm. about makeup? 
um, and I'm not, and I'm talking about I don't know mascara or you know the, the things that actually dry up with time. I have some makeup that has been there for at least I think ten years, and mm. they're they're perfectly preserved. But I'm probably never going to use them again. But I'm still there, and I'm unable to throw them away. What am mm. I supposed to do with, with this? And it's like a giant tower in Plexi uh, that looms in my bedroom. And I really want to get rid of it, but I feel guilty doing that. And I don't know any woman who has ever finished a palette of colors or, you know, some, some lip glosses or lipsticks. I, I, I don't know women who have finished them to the point of throwing away the empty box. So we mm. all have this problem. How am I mm. going to solve this? And this is just one of the things that, like I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it and this is one of those things that I need to realize what am I going to do with it? You cannot gift well, it. For one, look, I, have, I feel the sort of sentimental value and I agree with you. I mean, I don't have one palette where all the colors are gone. There would be one color which is gone and, yeah, exactly. and you know, and others that aren't. And I have a sentiment like they were much better quality back then. It's crazy. I don't know. Or if we had better skin, so it moved, you know, came on better. I have no idea. But um, I would say I would look at this issue from two angles. If I will give you just one practical proposal, it would be mm. to wrap them up in a bag and to put them in in a storage area where you don't have to see them anymore. And once you <laughs> you've no, but once you forget about them then it gets much easier just to throw them away if that's what you want to do. The other thing is, I think makeup is a bit divisive. So either you're an, an, you know, no makeup or basic makeup person, and then you're, you don't have a lot of neither old nor new makeup. Um, and in that case, it wouldn't matter so much if uh, one or two old palettes linger on because it's not taking, um, it's not We're taking We're talking like 50, 60 palettes here, yeah. Yes. And then, then you can be your type, which is the type that loves makeup, loves to try new makeup, consistently buys new makeup, doesn't get rid of old makeup. And I would say that your makeup space would probably take up a fairly big quantity <laughs> of the area that, that you're in. So, yeah. you're, you know, removing them isn't going to help. That's not going to solve your problem because even removing the old makeup, well, it's not going to free up more than what a percent of the area where you store yeah, your yeah. makeup. It doesn't give you the satisfaction, so, you know, oh, I removed this and now there is this whole huge nothing. new space. Yeah. Nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. Nothing. But, so I would say for that, you keep it. And, and if you want to, <laughs> you know, if you want to do something, no, but it's true because the impact is so minor. So the, the, the sort of emotional challenge is massive. But the outcome is like nothing because you didn't go from having no makeup to have, oh, sorry, you didn't go from having lots of makeup to just having the essentials. No, that, and that's not the point either. So not for a makeup junkie, but if I would make sort of any advice, I would say you, you should maybe decide that for the next year, I'm not going to buy anything new unless, you know, something's going to, so one of my favorite products, my mascara, I'm not, I'm not even I'm not even buying anymore at this point. But um, mm. do you keep shoe boxes, for example? Well, I do. I mean, I do. I, I, in my storage area for shoes, it makes no difference whether I keep the boxes or not. I fit the same amount of shoes anyway, uh, which is a bit of a bummer because that means that I have no reason to throw them out really. 
Um, now lately I've started to, to uh, not keep them in boxes, but to keep the boxes elsewhere, which is mm. crazy. But <laughs> part of me also is like, if I sometimes need to liquidate them, then I have the boxes that go with. So I keep them. <laughs> yeah. And with that excuse and along that line, we basically keep everything and we become hoarders once again. But you didn't hear me. I said I'm a sucker for bags and boxes. So this I is, know, this I is know, my I know. thing, right? This is yeah. my this is my thing. Um, but uh, look, I mean, I've been pretty good. I decluttered probably three times last winter or, you know, just before December. I took massive, massive bags that I gave away. I did huge sales. Um, I've pulled up some of the old things that I don't wear. I think my issue, and which I'm hoping is going to change with this beautiful temperature, is that I'm going to feel like I want to dress up a little bit again. And when I say dress up, I just mean getting out of those cashmere trousers that my seamstress just patched up and you know oh just got jeans and a t-shirt and a jacket and look like I wore something else and I'm hoping for that to happen because maybe that'll stimulate also the appetite to get rid of the things that you didn't long to be wearing all this time right so right now I'm sort of in a status quo saying okay I don't even know what I want to wear anymore because I'm not even dressing yeah, I'm not even dressing. And that's the point yeah. here. This is a year when we, I, I, I get this feeling that we put a lot of expectations at, at this uh, 2021. And mm. we are feeling now st it's starting to sink in that these expectations might not be satisfied. And mm. that we, we are looking uh, to another year of caution and masks and not going out. And at, le at least until we get vaccines, if we want to get vaccine, or at least if, until we have some kind of safety nets around this issue. So I, I get the feeling that I'm losing. Uh, the other day, someone asked me, what's your next bag purchase? And I felt it was so out of touch as a question. And mm. so um, inappropriate, if you wish. Uh, like, I really cannot speak about bags at the moment because I really lost interest. Also, where the hell am I going to wear all those mm. things? Yes, I'm going to have a life after Corona. Of course, everyone is. Uh, but um, still, I'm not feeling that that's the focus uh, to, to be, you know, focusing on and in this very moment. So I feel that starting to dress up again might be a little thing, a little thing, you know, a little key to feeling better again, not be feeling so burnt out because it's so easy to give in. You just lounge in whatever is the most comfortable and you just feel there is no need to dress up or do anything at this point anymore because we had those moments. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I used to dress every single day like it was normal and then I eventually I actually lost interest in that because it's, it wasn't sustainable. Now, what, what are we going to do in the second year of this crap? Uh, are we going to dress up? Are we going to do things? What, what's, what's going on? I would have found it more interesting if that person would have said rather, you know, what bag will you be selling during the pandemic? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm, exactly. pivoting. I'm pivoting towards that rather. I'm saying, okay, now it's gone a year without me wearing any of these. And do I miss it? No, I don't miss it. And I'm really seriously playing with a thought of, for example, selling my, my Hermes uh, Crocodile Kelly bag. And I'm thinking what? there's a lot of money. Why not? There's, I mean, this is the thing. So now you're being a hoarder on my behalf. So now yeah. when I say it, you're, you're feeling anxiety. It's a lot of money that's locked up in a bag. 
um, that I, I'm not using and I'm not missing to use it. And if I can recover that money and somebody else can get a, a very nice bag, then why not? So maybe the question to come going forward would be, what are you going to be liquidating out of everything that you don't need anymore? And I'm seriously, seriously considering it. And I don't feel I like there's, there's no sentiments behind it. And in theory, if you'd be able to sell it and recover your money, that's then already amazing. Buy, yeah. yeah, but you can, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from buying a new one with the same money, if that is what you want. So this, there, there needs to be some rational thinking behind all these decisions. It's very different if you say, okay, I sold an Isanara Arti ring and there's no way to get it back because they don't produce them anymore. Of yeah. course, you can find it on, on other outlets, but it'll take an effort. But here, I mean, this, I know it's limited and very complicated, but the shop is just next door. If I exactly, like they, can, if, if they will actually make it for you. Yeah, If you exactly. should which show. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand the point. It's, I, it's, exactly. It's a valid point there. So it's money locked up and you, you could be doing all sorts of things that are better with that kind of money. Uh, and you can actually get it back if you should ever, ever wish to. So it's, right. it and makes I mean, there's sense. no shame in saying, uh, you know, maybe I'd rather have that money in the bank than having it. Uh, and, you know, so I can use it in case I would need to, uh, God forbid, but still, instead of having it locked up in a bag and maybe having to resell it at half its worth, uh, if ever that it would come to it, uh, you know, and not at the right time. So um, I'm really playing with the thought and I'm, I'm playing with the thought of actually decluttering quite a lot. I have to say, caveat, this doesn't apply to my exotic Chanel bags because Chanel has stopped <laughs> making the exotics. Yeah, they stopped yeah, yeah. making them. So it's not like you can buy them. So it wouldn't apply to that. Uh, but I'm really, I'm quite seriously thinking about it and, uh, and uh, thinking, okay, but I mean, if you take that leap, why not? And maybe then I start selling off everything, sell the house, <laughs> start backpacking <laughs> to change life, do something else very, very different. Just so aside, the, ne but, the next know, frontier can... could be, you know, decluttering and getting rid of everything and having a blank slate to just go and rebuild the whole thing again but yes and and for that of course you need to have consumers on the other side so the whole world uh, can't be going into the same mode at the same time right if everyone but did you did you buying. read that the the Hermes actually closed with the boom of sales uh, the last year i mean that that I, was I'm significant aware. yeah I'm aware, and I'm aware of when I go to Chanel, for example, so they say in terms of people coming to the shop, it's reduced, but in terms of sales, it, it increased. And it's absolutely amazing. And I can't wrap my mind around it because I'm saying even if people travel less and mm -hmm. eat out less, I don't, I, I have a very hard time seeing why you would be buying more. And it's possible that, you know, I wasn't here for the first, first part of the pandemic, but it's possible that, uh, just at the initial stage, um, people were were making, you know, spending because they didn't know maybe the length and the duration. Exactly. Of the impact. We had no idea. Maybe it was because, you know, you, you do retail therapy and, and it's, it calms down your anxiety. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe many things. But just in the long run, I have a very hard time understanding the purchase behavior of somebody, you know, that would increase the Chanel sales, because I'm assuming that these are people who are already very good customers. And let's say as a lady, maybe, you know, age 50 or 60, you probably, you're, you're, if you're already a Chanel customer, you'd already have 
one or two or three black Chanel bags, uh, sorry, not bags, jackets. And I, I struggle to understand the rationale why you would now continue to buy black Chanel jackets that cost 30% more the price look similar. Because you can. Between... That kind of customer yeah. buys because they can. But why would not... they increase the purchase during the pandemic? That's because the there, I is, there is not, not much to do in a pandemic mm. aside from shop. Basically, if you already have a privileged life and your life doesn't require you to worry about bills, and that, that is the kind of customer we are talking about, you actually mm. lack stimu stimulus when you, when the pandemic strikes and you're you know keeping safe and staying home and there is nothing stimulating you anymore you don't have events you don't have trouble you don't have mm. anything so what do you do you shop Be just because you can and there mm. is you know this feeling of the old life somehow being there but now this is the second year of this and mm. can we really keep doing that and i think it's it's exactly you're just spot on and uh, to add to it you get the interaction with other people that are actually going to work so even here during the lockdown people would go to the shops and administer sales and you know trying dress you know sending back and forth dresses and, and jackets and whatever and and I can see myself if I'm going to make you know the least purchase today with all the planning around it there's quite a lot of interaction with other human beings that have a life that looks different than mine because of the line mm -hmm. of work they're in. And I would have said it's fairly stimulating to maintain that contact with the outer world, world, unless it weren't for the fact that I do find it very time consuming. I just want to be efficient. I want a dress. I don't <laughs> want 50 love letters. And I don't want, you know, all this exchange just to get something delivered. So that's sort of my practical side. But having that said, there is the aspect of the human contact in this purchase um, opportunity, which is very, very valuable, which is the same reason, actually, why I still make an appointment um, to go by Cartier and to polish my ring or to pick up gas, because now I'm here and I'm in the only context allowed to have a glass of champagne with a person outside of my own household. Now, in full protection behind plastic, you know, protection and everything else keeping the distance and there's no people in the shop and following regulations but it's really the only context left for me to do something outside of the house um, yeah, yeah it's, I, it's I understandable see, yeah and I can see why that stimulates uh, the economy in a sense it's just very surprising that the ones that sort of need it less are the ones that benefit from it right yeah, yeah it's, just, it's it's normal that you actually have been, you know, have this need for human interaction again, because you can only have so many interactions with your immediate family and household before you actually need something, some, some kind of, you know, stimulation Stimulus. from, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yesterday we were joking. So there is this uh, local taxi company called Colux here. So I said to my husband, I said, oh, I'm thinking about that fellow of Colux. You know, I wonder who he is. And he said, I'm sure he's not doing that. Should we call them and take a drive? <laughs> And I said, so to where, right? Should we just, you know, drive an hour and come back just to just to get a bill or what? And then we were laughing. Um, and it's true, you don't think of some of these businesses that probably are entirely, entirely on their knees right now. 
I mean, yeah. and it's it's odd in contrast to Hermes closing with all time high, and you know whether it's Cartier Dior, Chanel, or the luxury Louis Vuitton for sure. It's it's a very it's very odd. We are we are actually it. in the moment of Fashion Week here, and I really didn't even notice that it was the same week and same time of the year. And I remember last year not being able to find a taxi anywhere, and now the most common uh, sight around my area is. Uh, queues so long of taxis waiting that they often circle the area like two times you know they just stand there and sit there and wait and there is no one actually driving uh, around so yeah it's a sign of our times and some people are really suffering especially those who used to interact with other people a lot more but yeah it, it's not going to change anytime soon I was hoping, really, I came on hoping that you're going to have a positive tone. I think I'm I really <laughs> worried that people listen and then they come off of this weighing a ton more than before. Can we finish on a positive note? What do you have planned tonight or today? It's not even night yet. It's a Sunday. It's noon. What do yeah, you I, I already have my lunch cooked, so mm. I'm not a total failure today. Uh, I actually made some lunch because we were supposed to go on a brunch with some friends and they canceled mm. at the last minute, not feeling well, blah, blah, whatever. And basically now I have my lunch ready. So I think I might actually do some work, uh, but it's a pleasant work. I want to do some research and I wanted to understand some things more. Uh, so I, I'll concentrate on that. Uh, but actually speaking about all of this somehow helps. I think a lot of people are, uh, trying to get advice from the internet, let's put it that way, or seeking for advice from people more than ever. So it's not all no, that depressing. I don't think so at all. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. I think that sort of my own audience, uh, just they are people not really different from myself and you. And I don't think they're looking for any particular advice. They're just trying to get through it day by day. And uh, I've... Yeah, I, I don't think at all people are wondering sort of how do you cook? Well, sorry, I wake up and I breathe and then I go to sleep at night. No, no, but, but it, I think that some somehow you feel less bad if you realize unsuspecting yeah. people are going through yeah. the same thing. You just said it. Yeah, before. for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I said it, especially on your on your um, cooking disaster. Yeah, cooking. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. It's not a disaster. And and li listen, the one thing that I worry about is that if you're so harsh on yourself, um, some people might actually take it and and uh, apply it to themselves, right? It takes yeah. a, a lot of being grounded to say, okay, but for as many times as you refer to yourself as disaster, disappointment, um, a failure, uh, language that counts. Let that, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. I cannot let that impact me because that's how you feel about yourself. And I, and on that note, actually, I have to say something very, very funny. There's this lovely girl that I follow on Instagram, which is called Diamonds in Dubai. And uh, just talking about a very funny exchange that we had the other day. So I, um, I am on a new uh, beauty protocol. So I've dived into something that's called the Hot Couture Program from Biologique Recherche. And I've paid for it myself. It costs absolutely shitloads of money. I mean, shitloads as in <laughs> now, shitloads. It's now I see why expensive. we want to sell that bag. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good reason, if any. I'm going to put my bag in my face. That's the reason. 
And uh, it's amazing. So right now I've only applied it um, four times, three times or four times since. And of course the effect is only topical. So everything I see isn't, you know, a change in my skin. It's just the, the immediate impact of the products. But anyway, it's, it's uh, eight tailor-made. Is it eight? It's 10 tailor-made, eight, one, two, three, four. No, it's 10 tailor-made products that you use for your skin condition. Anyway, at, um, and I was joking saying that maybe I should have just skipped all this crap and gone straight for Botox and fillers. Yeah, exactly. Then, like, skip the whole thing and go. To yeah, just go things. straight. Yeah, exactly. And then because the cost is basically the same. And then this girl said, no, but you're beautiful and you should never let yourself down. Uh, and you, you're good just as you are. And then I said, I just responded to say, I don't, meaning I really don't put myself down. I mean, I am my biggest admirer. I think I am super hot, not constantly, but when I want to be, and it's terrible, but it is just like that. I'm never going to look at myself and in the long term sort of say, okay, I'm worthless. I'm ugly. I'm, no, I'm no, quite no, no. comfortable in my own body with its ups and downs. And some days I look better than others. And that's that. So, but she took this, I don't, as in, you know, I am not, I am, you know, not beautiful, not good, yeah, not yeah, pretty. Yeah, so yeah. She, <laughs> and it was so sweet. She wrote this super long message saying, no, 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 but honey, you should never put yourself down and you should know your self-worth. And I'm a longtime follower and I just put up this new account recently, but I've always followed you and I always found you Look, but so that's lovely very, very and much beautiful. Cute, and the natural. energy that people... It's, put in yeah it's, it's adorable super cute so and then I had to correct her I said I'm sorry all I meant to say is that I don't put myself down but I really <laughs> appreciate that you take the time to say don't use this kind of derogative words on yourself nobody deserves it and that shows you that um also you know the way that you well first of all not everybody is going to come to your rescue when you talk yourself down yeah. So this lady actually did, which was very, very nice. But the choice of words can be contaminating to others. So when you talk about failure or pressure or... Mm, I, agree, I... I agree. Words matter. Actually mm, matter. We I should do. be very much careful how we speak of ourselves. That's true. But most of the times, you know me, I'm really... I like myself and I'm at ease with myself. But uh, I'm even I am admitting to a certain degree of feeling that comes yeah. with this pandemic yes. and the feeling of not really being okay. So I, I think that what I wrote the other day of people asking, how are you? And really meaning it, it's, it's a good thing to start with because when you ask someone else, how are you and how are you doing? It's, it's a good you know, moment to sit down and understand that we are all feeling the burnout. Basically, if you call it burnout or you call it, fatigue or whatever but we are feeling it and it's not going to go away that easily so being vulnerable is never easy but it can actually help but don't worry everyone I'm not going to you know kill myself over over a failure of the yeah. and I, I agree also it's not about it's not about photoshopping also your words so you want to call it you know you want to say it as it is yeah. we're struggling yeah. it's difficult it's not easy times I have better days no, it's I fucking have worse hard. Days. I'm sorry Right. And, and, you know, we're, we're feeling everything, everything from I'm feeling worthless to useless to desperate to, you know, hopeless to, you know, not so bad, because I, you know, I 
today woke up with slightly better mood with the sunshine, etc. So I agree that there is huge value in saying things as they are. Huge, huge, yeah. huge, yeah. huge value. But as long as everyone knows that we actually, um, you know, struggle and fight and whatever, but we are human and but we don't feel like killing ourselves over uh, thrown away food or anything. It's just moments, but moments that are worth mentioning that's the thing i think that uh, something the other day someone told me you know what i appreciate about you is being your candor about your grief about your moments about everything you know you're not lying <laughs> and i find myself incapable i'm really the worst liar that that ever lived I, I i you can just see it on my face and whatever so it's useless i cannot lie so why should i ever uh, i think that candor is something that we should express a little bit more but yeah, and but I don't see I don't think you can equate lying to if somebody if a random person would ask me how I'm doing, um, I wouldn't consider it lying not to, not to actually dive in and explain. Uh, I don't think they should be equated at all. I think, you know, depending on your need to express yourself and the rapport that you have with this person. Uh, it, there's also no shame in, in responding very, very candidly. But yeah. uh, I, look, I mean, honestly, I w- if somebody would have asked me, how are you really doing? I would have found it fairly intrusive because I didn't at this point in time open up to somebody inquiring generally about my health. And I think it's it all depends what kind of narrative you feel like engaging in at the moment um, and whether it it more burdens you than helps you characterize your thoughts and I think no, for but... you there is huge help in talking about it because you get the massive reactions from people yeah. that feel relief and comfort um, but I, w- I wouldn't necessarily equate you know having holding back on some of your sentiments and when I say your I mean mine because I know we're hmm. not we don't express and we don't deal um, with uh, with these kind of difficulties in the same way, at least not at the same time. So I think it all depends, you know, what are your needs at this very moment? True. And when they are, really, I'm going to just tell the whole world, you know, if you're going to, yeah, here's a big fuck you finger to all of you. And, and <laughs> you, just, you just get it, sir. And then go for it, because that's what you need at this moment. And this is the candor that you are putting out there for people just to know. And then the nice thing is that then they bloody know there is nothing uh, ambiguous or unclear about your state of health or your state of mind. And that invites for a very uh, open dialogue with, with your community. Yeah, so, yeah, it's true. Uh, but I, I can't be any other way. So it's not, not actually a choice. It's like, I'm like mm. this. This this is a big fuck you to the world, and that's that's about it. That was very unladylike of me, but it's it is what it is. <laughs> it I was mean, exactly what you wrote. I mean, it was just fuck off. You asked me how I am. Fuck off. Exactly. Like, Whoa, something's like, going on here. Yeah, Better not ask. People like guessing, but I I'm really what you see is what you get, and there will be times when I will be you know talking fashion or talking anything, but then there will be times that I really feel that it's not the moment to dive in into that kind of discussions. And that's why I feel interesting, you know, just getting out there and seeing what other people are thinking, what people needs are at the moment and what's, what's uh, the, the thing of the hot thing of the moment. And that in this moment is very much involving, uh, you know, the second year of the pandemics and how to deal with it. So, yeah, but uh, there is sunshine here too coming out. I think that that was you basically. Uh, calling it and bringing it to me because 
when we started it was so gloomy and gray you have no idea now there is sun outside so it's good you sound like my mom i said mom they announced 17 degrees here for the next two weeks she says also in stockholm it's great weather it's three plus she had me laughing i was like okay three plus oh wow very much (laughs) relative relative. i don't know the temperature but it's very springy here too i just hope you will keep it so our sunday talk comes to an end and uh, you have a good Sunday and don't waste any food, please. <laughs> I will not. You have a good Sunday, too. It was nice talking to you, making a checkup on, on our general condition. Yeah. Looks like we're surviving yet one more week. Yes. And we see how we yes. get by the next one and we speak next Sunday. Yeah, big kisses to you from me and Loki, who just came in. Big kisses to both of you. Have-